Welcome to the Pull the Shoot podcast with Jeff and Jana. This is our weekly venture into the world of small to medium-sized businesses and the entrepreneurial spirit that drives success. So our goal here is to help you grow and to be the best you can be, both in business and personally. To do that, we identify and we discuss topics that will hopefully help you as you work to build a successful business. We also interview business owners and executives. It's our hope that you may be able to gain insight on ways to help you be a better leader and provide a better culture for your people. Our mission here is to help you pull the chute once a week to work on your business instead of always working in your business. So we hope you find these discussions insightful, helpful, and useful. And thanks for your support. We hope you enjoy today's podcast. Well, welcome to the Pull the Shoot podcast. We're excited to be here. My co-host Jana is on vacation this week. She is uh, down in the uh, tropics having fun there. But uh, I have a guest co-host, Amy Shavanik. Amy, welcome. Thanks for joining me. Hi, thanks so much for having me today. How are things going for you in Chicago? She's out of Chi-Town, so how are things going? Oh, you know, balmy, 50 degrees today. So, uh, you know, for yeah. the end of April, we had snow over the weekend. So uh, ready for it to start warming up. That's yeah, right. Sure. <laughs> it's one of the reasons I love Chicago, because I just couldn't handle those late uh, spring uh, cold days. They just start going to get, get to me too much. So, hey, Amy, we have a fun guest today. Um Christy and I met at a, at a networking event, and uh, we just kind of hit it off, so I thought she'd be great to have on the show. So, Christy Wiedig, uh, welcome to the show. Christy is with Wesley Mortgage, and so we're going to talk a little bit about mortgages and where those all stand and, and things like that. So, Christy, welcome. Appreciate you being here. Thanks for having me. So, Christy, um, before we kind of dive into mortgages and what that all means, and I know people always have questions because, you know, the interest rate goes up. Does that mean mortgage rates go up? And there's all kinds of questions that I have. But anyway... Um, first of all, tell us a little bit about you. How, you know, where, where did you start? Where'd you originate from? How'd you end up in the Nashville area? By the way, you are in the Nashville area. So, yes. <laughs> yeah. So, um, you know, I, I have kind of a, a long winding path to coming into Nashville and doing mortgages here locally. Um, I started out in college studying finance and knowing that I wanted to get involved in some type of financial markets. And I was really interested in, in the underlying metrics of these markets. And so not really sure where that was going to take me. And um, yet at the same time, I had been running small businesses. So by the time I graduated from school, this is you know a decade ago <laughs> that I got done with school, my businesses were at a point that I couldn't really make the leap and leave those and go into a different whole new career. Um, so I ended up uh, running businesses with my husband. We ran a chain of barber shops and uh, did that. We were living in Utah and live, ran barber shops, had some great success with that, and started deciding that we wanted to open up a barber shop here in Nashville. So um, the the barber shop's name is Blues Barber Shop. So it's heavily music oriented. We have, you know, music events. So we, we relocated, came out to Nashville and opened up a shop here and it just came in with tremendous success. We opened it up in 2018 and we're just really growing. And then 2020 hit with COVID (laughs) and it just shut down anything in the service industry. So we had some hard decisions to make and restructured our businesses and decided to hold on to the one that was the most um, longest standing and had the most employees, you know, at the time we had 15 employees. So we just had to make a bunch of tough decisions and shut down every business except for that one, which um, then led me into doing mortgage. And 
because I, I thought, well, I've got to pivot and find something while we're in this year of no income and figure out exactly, you know, what we're going to do and how we're going to make this work. So that's when we went into, I came into doing uh, mortgage. So I went ahead and got my license renewed. I actually, ironically, been licensed in 2008, which was the worst year to initially get a license. (laughs) And um, when I did get that license in 2008, I'd let it expire. So I re-licensed with a company out of Salt Lake City and started working, mainly doing a lot of refinances. And when I got into it, I realized that there's this huge gap for people that had been self-employed. If you were a W-2 employee, if you were picture perfect, everybody wanted to do a loan for you. But if you had a, a more interesting history, if you'd run your own business, if you'd freelanced or had job changes, it was a lot harder. And it was tough to find a loan originator that would dig into those cases. So I knew I wanted to find something local and really help build our local community. So I started looking for a place here locally and found Wesley Mortgage and their values just really fit what I'd like to do, which is we want to get good people in good homes. And that doesn't always mean, you know, we love our plain vanilla loans that we do, but there's more complex situations out there. And we're really committed to making it work and, and working with people through a relationship that not only gets them into their home, but then carries them through the best mortgage decisions for the lifetime. Yeah. And it sounds like you're because of your background, right? It becomes relatable for your clients. Like, listen, we own businesses for years. And so I understand how it is to be a small business owner and try and get a home loan like that. You know, I'm sure that really resonates well with, with the people that you, that you work with. Definitely. Yeah. You know, the first time I tried to apply for a mortgage as a small business owner, I sent my information to three different lenders and none of them called me back and Mm -hmm. I couldn't figure out why I had great credit. But I didn't understand, and I even had a background in finance, but I didn't understand the parameters of mortgage lending. And so, you know, I could have gotten a loan, but I just needed to be guided through that process and told how to do things the right way. So I think, um, you know, my clients see that and understand that I'm passionate about that when I see that they come in, you know, maybe it's not today, maybe we're looking at a one or two year plan, but the goal is to get people into homeownership and starting the process sooner than later. So let's dig into that a little bit because, you know, this whole podcast is geared towards business owners. Um, So what is it, what do they have to do that's different, that's special and and timing wise and all all the pieces that go with that? So, you know, business owners are, have a unique challenge on one hand, you know, we want companies to be profitable. And so companies are, you know, of course, wanting to be profitable in their day-to-day business operations. But when it comes to paying taxes, a lot of businesses will write off a lot of their income. Um, So you'll meet successful business owners all the time that might be very successful in in their business, but on those IRS tax returns, they're not showing as much income because they have depreciation and other things that they can write off. So um, with a business owner, we look at two years history of tax returns. There are occasions I can look at just one year, depending on how long they've been in business. So we have to look at that history and see what story of income that's telling the underwriter. And then from there, create a strategy going forward on, you know, how are you going to file this year? Sure, maybe you could write off a lot of expenses and recognize those this year. But if you want to buy a house, this might not be the year to recognize those expenses. And I work really closely with their accountants to help put those expenses in the right timeline to help them qualify for a home. So that's interesting because even though let's say I'm a business owner, which I am, uh, and I'm pulling a nice salary, it still goes back to the business. 
It does. And a lot of folks don't realize that, you know, they'll, they'll say, well, I get a W-2 and I paid myself $150,000 last year. Well, if the company lost $70,000, then what we actually use for your income calculation on a standard loan is we would take that $70,000 off of your $150,000 W-2, leaving you only with $80,000 of income. So um, it's not always the wisest strategy and you can't avoid it just with a W-2. Now, now that's on a conventional bank statement, or I'm sorry, a conventional business loan. We do have bank statement loans that we can deal with where we can look at cash flow. Those carry higher interest rates, but sometimes for the right reason, when we look at the cost benefit of the higher interest rate versus the higher tax bracket, it could potentially be the right move and the right strategy. That is so interesting. Because I mean, I always thought, I mean, I've been self-employed for years um, and I've gotten mortgages throughout my whole career. Um, never realized, I guess, that the business was always tied into it. I always feel like I was able to, although I guess, let's ask the question. So my wife was working at the time too. So that probably helped offset some of the business aspects of things. Potentially. The, the rule is that if you own 25% or more of the business, we're supposed to look at all your, your personal tax returns and then the business tax returns. Now, I will say, if you paid yourself a W-2, there's times that I've had a loan cross my desk that that the business owner hasn't provided tax returns in the past. Well, that was an oversight by the, the loan originator. And that does happen. It's not a great thing. You know, as, as a borrower, you might you don't want to ever skate by because there's always the option to call a loan. So especially with small business owners, it's just really important. Our small business owners are going to have their loans audited more. They're going to have their taxes audited more. So we just want to make sure that every you know T is crossed and I is dotted and that we've created a legitimate picture that we can push through that doesn't have any holes. And so did this change from 2008? Because, you know, that was the whole implosion, right? Yeah. And yeah. banks are giving away loans and mortgage companies are giving away the loans left and right. So is the, are these changes because of that? They are. And they're good changes. You know, we um, if you had a pulse in 2006, 2007, you could get a loan. And um, it was not it was not healthy for anything banking. It wasn't healthy for people. Um, so we've tightened up. The Dodd-Frank Act came out as a result of that and really tightened up lending standards. And, you know, and that's that's something that I think is really important to, to realize right now. We're in a volatile market interest rate wise. We're in a strange place where we saw housing prices escalate, just like we saw back in 06, 07. But we're not heading for a crash. A lot of people if you look at the mainstream media, you'll hear housing market crash coming. The data is just so different and our lending standards are different. I, I literally could do a loan for anyone in 2008. And now I have strict underwriting guidelines. And even for my out of the box loans, my bank statement loans, those are very strict as well. So they're they're well qualified loans that are being made. That's crazy. Um, you know, just how much that changed. And you're right for the better, because I mean, you know, 2008 was just a scary time, really. I mean, uh, you know, it was. Everything kind of fell apart. And I know they're they're talking about this. You use the word volatile. We're in a volatile time. Talk about that for a second. What what does that mean to you? So the volatility actually stems back from 2008 as well. So it's a this is kind of getting a little deep into to how we got here. But I think it's important to look at that perspective. So 2008, when the housing market crashed and lending standards tightened up, the Federal Reserve jumped in and said, "You've got to start lending money again." And so in order to do that, they began. A, a period of quantitative easing, which is where they purchased mortgage-backed securities and, and helped push money into the mortgage market. Well, they've been doing that every year up until last year. So 
you know, when we went into COVID, the interest rates were near zero and we kept cutting and cutting and we saw these record low rates. But in addition, the Federal Reserve was pumping money into the mortgage market and making it very liquid. Well, they stopped doing that. And when they stopped doing that, in combination with increasing interest rates, we saw the largest interest rate increase in a single year that we've ever seen in history. I mean, it was just unbelievable. We went from 2.75, 3% interest rates to, to nearly 8% at one point last year. So it was a real shock to the system. And it it gave housing a, a very cold bath. You know, yeah. we had to look at housing prices and you saw them start to slow down and, and even retreat just a little bit. Um, and so now the, the volatility is coming from the Federal Reserve trying to balance needing to raise interest rates to help us cool down inflation without tanking the economy into recession. And their most recent their most recent discussions show that they really think that we probably are going to have a recession. We're hoping for a mild one, but it's it's on the horizon. Interesting. You know, it's funny, um, and I, I tell people this, you know, when I got bought my first house, my interest rate was literally 17%. Mm-hmm. You know, this is back in like 83, you know, and uh, it was crazy. It was just like, oh my gosh, that is just insane. You know, we're so spoiled now. Um, yeah. But, you know, that took years to, to get there too. That's the incredible part. So um, it's because I think of the Ghostbusters quote when they go and refinance the loan a couple times to try and take out the firehouse. And he's like, at 25%, you didn't even negotiate with the guy. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, and here we are paying like 3%, you know? And then, right. Or thinking like, oh my gosh, 6%, it doubled. That's so high, right? It's it's crazy to think of, of even historically where we are, where we were to where we are now and how we got here. And, you know, historically, we're not in the terrible spot. People, it feels bad in perspective, you know, especially depending on what age you are. If you're a millennial who's never bought a house and your friends bought all their houses at two and a half percent, you feel like you missed the boat. Well, you didn't. Right. You're just they got a very rare special thing that happened that that I hope we don't ever have happen again because a global pandemic is the only reason we got there. So this is normal. And it, you know, and one thing I try and focus on a lot with my clients is if you're talking about the interest rate, it's a great thing to chat about and compare, but it really doesn't mean much. I can get a really low interest rate, but I can do that through using discount points, which then negates the value of that interest rate. What really matters is, can you afford the monthly payment? You know, what's your budget? What can you afford? And is this a house that you could stay in? And then I look at how long can you stay in this house? So then we can make sure that this investment makes financial sense. It's not, you know, it's not about waiting for the interest rates to fall or waiting for housing prices to fall because there's no control over that. But what you do have control over is what's your monthly budget and you do need a roof over your head. So does a mortgage fit in that picture right now for you? I like that uh, analogy or that comparison because it is. You're right. It is what can you afford on a monthly basis that really you know cuts to the cuts to the chase on things. And I know that that's always um, something that they always look at. And what is the you have to be able to afford thirty five percent or something of your gross? What's that number? Surprisingly, um, I think you know lending standards are still. You can actually go up to 50% of your income can go towards your total debt before taxes. From a financial perspective, for a personal household budget, honestly, that's a little too high. Yeah. Um, 
I think it's it's pushing and stretching your budget and putting strain on your household. Now, um, the reason for that flexibility there is that there's a lot of times I can't use certain types of income that come through. For example, if you had overtime at a job, but it's not consistent, maybe we can't use that. If you have a bonus that's not consistent or it didn't happen one year. So they're counting for the fact that there are other income sources. Um, but yeah, I mean, you can push it, you can push it pretty far, but you do have to meet that 50% guideline for an FHA loan. And I typically consult with my clients and say, let's not push it all the way because you're going to want curtains and you're going to yeah, want right. to paint and you're going to want to go on vacation, you know, have a life. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. So um, we're, when the Fed's up the percent, you know, the interest rate, how does that affect the mortgage rates? Or, I mean, do they go up as well? I always thought, but someone recently told me that not necessarily, that that doesn't yeah. mean that that's what happens. So that that's a really good question because a lot of times my clients will call me panicked going, we've got to lock in my rate. The Fed's going to raise rates. And I'll say, no, let's hold off and watch. Uh, one of the reasons is that that mortgages, we've already baked those costs in. We we deal on a timeline knowing that we've got a 30-day rate lock. So whatever interest rates I quote you today, that's based on when that loan comes through my desk, we fund that loan, we sell it into the secondary market in the form of mortgage-backed securities that are backed up by Fannie and Freddie. And that sale date is the rate that we're really having to look at. So we're looking at 30 to 45 days in the future. So the rates that I have today, when the Federal Reserve meets in May, I already have that. That's already baked into what my investors are willing to offer. So sometimes, and we've seen this happen over the last year, when the Federal Reserve does raise interest rates, we've seen mortgage rates go down. And that's because mortgage rates are most dependent, not so much on the federal funds overnight lending rate, but they're dependent on the 10-year treasury and mortgage-backed securities. So um, and that's kind of a deep dive that you can get into. I think the simplest one to look at is the 10-year treasury. If you look at it back from the 70s, 10-year treasury yields and the mortgage rates have just moved in tandem. They, they move together and they always tend to follow each other. So when you were seeing 10-year treasury yields in the fours, it was very, very high. And mortgage rates are moving along with that. Now, right now, I'm watching for the treasury note, the 10-year T-note to fall below about a 3.4 on the yield. And then I think we're going to start seeing mortgage rates retreating. So um, it's it's very counterintuitive when the Federal Reserve raises rates, but it's because the Federal Reserve controls overnight funding rates between banks, not so much what happens with mortgage-backed securities, which are an entirely different financial instrument. Wow. That is a very detailed answer. Thank you for that. That actually helps. Yeah. Well, and I just heard, I was like overhearing them talking about it at a network event. And I was just like, wait, what? I always thought those two, like if the feds went up, then, you know, the mortgage rates are going up and they're like, no, 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 that's not going to happen. I was like, what am I hearing? What? So yeah, perfect. thank you for that. I appreciate that. Um, so where, where mortgage, where's the mortgage industry going to go here in the next year, maybe three years? Well, I think it, we're in an exciting point for the mortgage industry. Um, over 2020 and 2021, there was this huge explosion of these big box online lenders. I'm sure you've seen a lot of commercials for them. Mm -hmm. um, and um, and it, it became very impersonal. People were saying, you know, just put your money in. We'll have you approved. And, you know, you'd work with maybe 10 or 15 different people in the process. But if you talk to people about their lending experience in those years, there was so much 
negativity and I didn't know what was happening and they raised my rate and didn't tell me. Mm-hmm. And so what I'm starting to see is that mortgage is moving back into more of a relationship-based business. Um, we all consider ourselves at my company as, as mortgage advisors. Like I said, we work with someone when they get their first loan, we analyze it every six months and see if they're still in the best loan for their position. And then we hope to work with them on their next home and their kids' homes. So it's, I think we're moving back to more of a relationship-based business. It's you can get a loan online, you can click the buttons and make it happen, but it's going to be a harder process and probably not going to save you that much money in the end either way. So it's um, funny because I would have to agree with that on our end too. Our our uh, mortgage lender, she's very has become very like personable. She'll just reach out and ask about the kids, like you know, we have and all that stuff. So um, you know, it's just funny that you you're seeing that in other places as well, right? It's very becoming more relationship-based. And of course, then we're recommending her to, you know, other people as well, because we had such a positive experience. So it definitely has like a trickle effect for, for their business as well. Yeah, no, definitely. And it's, it's nice to know that when you go back to her, she knows you already, she knows your situation. Yep. Absolutely. Absolutely. And I think, I think uh, uh, of all the bad things that happened with the pandemic, that's one of the good things that came out of it was that people realized that we were, were not meant to be isolated and alone, that we need other people. Um, and, you know, being with other people and getting to know other people is, is an important thing. So, yeah, I think that's, yeah. Uh, and, and relationships matter. Not everything should be an online process. You know, it, it, it some things it's the history matters and, and the personal connection and and then even just the explanation you know like i said i deal with a lot of the clients i'm working with you know underwriters understand he, that we are humans and that there's things that happen so let's say you had a job gap for 3 months right we can explain that away if we have a relationship and i i understand that and i can share that with the underwriter um you know if you're dealing with a call center and you're never going to get the same person every time there's you're never going to get that explained and you're going to get to the closing table and not close and be very stressed <laughs> so yeah i think that's one of that's always the struggle right? is is until you close until you actually sign those papers it's like is this really happening <laughs> yeah should i pack or not <laughs> we want people to know to pack early on and know where they're going with it it's funny when we bought our house here in nashville uh, the government had shut down, and yeah. so they couldn't pull my um, my IRS records just to verify. Mm-hmm. So we built a custom home, and the builder actually let us move in, and we, we hadn't closed yet. And then about a month in, he's like, "All right, I'm gonna have to pay. You're gonna have to pay me rent." And I called the mortgage company. And I said, "All right, there's a lot of smart people in that office. Somebody better figure out what's going on." We closed within a week. It was funny. I don't uh-huh. know what changed, but it was like, you know, all of a sudden they figured it all out and they said, "Okay, this is probably close." And we're going yeah. to call it a day. And, but the, you know, what were they going to do? The government shut down. They couldn't pull anything, you know, Yeah. but it was good. We had a relationship with the mortgage broker. And so he went to bat for us and, and we got it done. So that was great. I think that's important. Yeah. And that's it. You just hit it on the head. That's, that's exactly, you know, because really what it comes down to um, is when we, when we make a loan, we sell it into the secondary market. Well, we, we have investors, the investor takes that loan and that's who services it. But then that loan gets broken up into all these pieces that's a mortgage-backed security. And Fannie and Freddie guarantee that. Now, any at any point in the process, if, if anyone audits that, the whole loan can unwind and it actually comes back to the lender who originated the loan in the first place. So 
you know, knowing your business, knowing what you have going on, it gives your broker or your or your um, loan originator the ability to say, look, I, I'm vouching for this person. And then and the underwriter can say, yes, this person's solid. I've reviewed their income. Um, and, and you can get things through because it there's still very much a human decision element in mortgage. That's great. Well, you know, Chris, I got to tell you, I mean, I just again, we do these podcasts so we can help out other businesses. Um, the fact that you work with businesses, business owners to help them get these mortgages is amazing. I love that aspect of things. If people want to get a hold of you, how do they have to do it? Um, best way to get a hold of me is to call me or text me. Um, I've got my, do you want my cell phone number? I don't yeah, know that's if that's, yeah, that's okay. okay. It's um, 615-997-7471. Um, it never leaves my side. And I, because I understand also nobody gives you two weeks off to get a mortgage. So we work evenings, we work weekends, you know, we just work to get it done when you have time. That's great. Although, although from our side, where's your work-life balance, Christy? Come on. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I, I take plenty of cuts where I need to. So, yeah. you know, I can see I'm having a work from home day today. So, but yeah, definitely, definitely in anything in real estate, work-life balance is the biggest challenge. Yeah. I know we were talking about that. It's crazy. So thanks so much for being on the show today, Christy. We really appreciate your time. Amy, thanks for us doing the stand-in and being the co-host today. We appreciate that. Um, and we're excited. Uh, if you're looking, uh, if you're a business owner and you're looking for a mortgage, please reach out to Christy. She uh, hopefully can get you situated and helped out because I know that's an important aspect. We all we all want to be homeowners, and uh, sometimes we get stressed out for the business. We don't need to be stressed out trying to buy a house as well. So um, we thank you for your time today. Uh, thank you for our listeners. We're always excited that uh, that you're listening to the show. We always love your feedback. Thanks for that. We get a lot of it. Uh, keep it coming, keep it coming and ideas. Uh, we're always looking for those as well. So until the next time that we get to talk, stay safe, be healthy and have a great day. Take care.